The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Veda Vance with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm missing a microphone. <laughs> yeah, <here. you> are. <laughs> can I hear me? I can hear you. I can you. hear you. Okay, Good cool. Thing. Then, hey, I'm I'm Jim Crowder, the unorganized one this morning. Oh, love this it. morning, though, you know, every yeah. morning one of us is, uh, yeah, hey, not I mean, organized. <laughs> driving in this morning, I mean, had a little mist on the windshield, but my gosh, I mean, y'all what get woken night. up last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah that the uh, weather thing. Yeah, on my phone just started going off, and I said, "Well, I knew this was going to happen." So I wonder what kind of storm damage is taking place out there. I don't know. Yep. We'd like to hear from you if you've had some damage or if you've got power outages and listening on your phone, battery powered something (laughs) or other, uh, give us a call, let us know. We'll get up on the Facebook page and uh, so, um, yeah, more people spread the word. But you know, uh, I was up sound asleep last night and Colby, my son, uh, came upstairs and said, hey, mom wants me to wake you up and (laughs) she wants you to come downstairs. I'm like, what? You know, what really? <laughs> so I, I get up, you know, and I, you know, kind of slide down the stairs and uh, lay on the couch there, and I'm still sound asleep, <laughs> and I'm, you know, they're watching the weather uh, on the news, and like I think I'd said, you know, there's a tornado warning, you know, right there, and we're right in the middle of this, you know, this path of it. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's good I did come downstairs. You know, we can all dive into the pantry, I guess, if something starts to blow right. away. And about two or three minutes later, they said the tornado warning had been lifted. Y'all, I just got right back up, went right back up those stairs and climbed right back in bed. But then you made a comment about, you know, your phone giving you a notice. I'm in bed sound asleep once again, right? And Gina's phone starts just blasting on her side of the bed. And it gives her these updates like heavy rain in the area, lightning in the area. I'm thinking, no, we can't have this every time there's a little storm that comes through here. But... Jesus, tried oh. to get a little sleep last night. Yeah, I like I like all those warnings. Well, she does too, and of course, I mean it's a smart thing to do. Yeah. Of course, you know I'm just being selfish over here. I want to get a good night's <laughs> sleep, and that's just not going to happen on a night last night, like last night. Well, what an adventure we've had! I'm waiting to go to the garden center and see what's laying down, what's yeah. missing. Yeah, that's the part I really miss about the nursery business is the stand up next morning. Everything that's blown over. Well, I had, um, <laughs> and then the water falls off uh-huh. on you, and yeah. it's the whole day's a mess. And, and every time we have wind like that that comes through the mid south, um, I do have my tulip poplar in the front yard. You know, being slightly pruned. Mm-hmm. That you know, the little dead limbs that are up there, they're in the front yard. So that's. A good thing, right? Uh, you had Mother Nature pruning. Yeah, so I was mm-hmm. stepping over some of the dead limbs this morning. And then, of course, you know, to, just to pile on the misery, um, the, the, the garage door, you know, has got that big spring at the mm-hmm. top of it. Well, I'm hitting it this morning to, to get out of the garage, <laughs> and it just breaks in half. <laughs> yeah. So I got to deal with it. And I'm thinking, well, you know, the weather had nothing to do with that. But yeah, not a good sign, Jim. You're right. It's amazing you're here. Uh, Well, I just went out there. There's a little payback for not staying up and watching, being sure that your 
You were Your family safe. were fair. No, they were already okay. downstairs. They I already know. knew, you know. I know, but you didn't stay with them. <laughs> well, no. you know, you're supposed to be, you know, the one that pulls the mattress over them and protects them. Right. I, I, we already had flashlights in the pantry. <laughs> There's plenty I'm of sure water in there. Helped. That's where all the food is. <laughs> yeah, so you're good to go. I was good to go. I was just going to pull my mattress in the bathtub and keep sleeping. But Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at the garden centers, you know, we're still um, in the middle of Christmas. I mean, they did just like y'all, you know, selling Christmas trees and wreaths and roping and poinsettias and everything in between. <laughs> um, but also sell, still selling the Memphis area master gardener calendars. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's great. People, we've got, we've got ours right there on the front counter, probably like mm-hmm. y'all do. And people would come in, they'll pay for a tree or a wreath or whatever. And they'll look down at that calendar. And it's the cool thing now is a lot of people have heard about this calendar. Right. You know, right. there's becoming a follow. Yeah. It's not just a brand new thing to mm-hmm. a lot of people. So they're grabbing them, but, uh, it's still a great stock and stuffer, guys. These calendars are, are great. And it's got all the, as y'all know, it's got all the Mid-South information, information that we need. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the bragging rights for all the pictures that are in there from people that live here in the Mid-South. So, so do I, can I take it then that both of y'all still have some in inventory? I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good. A few. And yeah, it's available at other garden centers, um, you know, Urban Earth. It's available at Novel Bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are lots of other places too that you can get it. But it's a it's a hit though, y'all. As far as stocking stuffers go, I'm telling right. you. Oh, I have a good stocking stuffer. I did a Instagram video on it for our Palladio, um Instagram, and it's the ratchet pruners for women, <laughs> and. There's, it's so amazing how well these work. I took a regular pair of Coronas or um, Felcos. Just or bypass printers, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't, I mean, back about 20 years ago, I probably could have cinched down and cut that uh, stick, but I could not get it cut. And then I took the ratchet pruners and very easily three cuts, three ratchets, and without any effort, and it's done. Yeah, I was explaining that same pair of pruners to a lady the other day. And same thing, that she had some Felcos and some of the other brands. But, you know, that's all just hand pressure mm-hmm. when you're using those. And that's fine. I mean, if you've got the hand pressure, you know, go out there and do some cutting, depending on the size of the limb. But the ratchet pruner's got the little ratchet in there. Yeah. So it clicks it just a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. And you can cut bigger limbs that you normally couldn't yeah. cut with just raw power it's from your crazy. hand. I hope that they make a even a little smaller one because everyone's hands aren't quite that uh, big. So if they could come up with some smaller ones. And then another fun Christmas stocking stuffer is the Hori Hori knife. And that, I'll use that. Watch your oh, mouth, girl. I was it's a waiting. soil knife for, yes. for us Southerners. It, yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, Japan or, you know, when it first came out, you were like, ooh, I've got something. But it's a knife. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I mean, like a different from a Harry Carey knife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is like a long-bladed knife with serrated edges yeah, that yeah. you can cut roots and stuff right. with. Or, it's not kind of like a regular size knife, but you can saw off plants with it. I take it and get all the... Uh, root balls out of containers so I can plant something else and not take the whole container apart. One of my wife's favorite tools, she stole mine. Oh, yeah? Oh, really? It's just yeah. good for everything. And you look real bad, too, at carrying your knife. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I felt like I was... I felt like it was in it was spring yesterday. I mean, everybody knows how warm it was. Okay, it got to eighty degrees yesterday. The, I mean, it's been that. Uh, that's the they said the last high was like seventy nine back in nineteen eighteen mm-hmm. to kind of give you an idea how warm it got. Right over a hundred years ago, 
But I had a uh, young lady call me, uh, one of our old customers, and she's always got these two containers up there by her front door up under a porch, right? And she said, uh, Kenny, could you please come get these? They're looking a little tired. And I said, not a problem. So we go get them, and I bring them back, and they still have some stringy impatience in them, some asparagus fern and a little ivy, right? Uh, everything else is dead in these things. So I took all that stuff out, and I'm thinking, hey, what can I possibly put in here? And she wanted color, you know. I mean, uh, I was thinking about tough. putting an arborvita or uh-huh. Alberta spruce or whatever. So I found a few little, you know, <laughs> ornamental cabbage and kale, mm-hmm. you know, that I could stick in there few little pansies to put in there some ivy coming down the side but y'all i was like this feels so good i did yeah, you know something that's did, not a christmas yeah, tree it really did it was like okay well spring's just around the corner right yeah so it always is i'm a gardener at heart hey what's yours jim what's a good uh christmas gift stocking stuffer well you know if if you don't it depends on how well you know the person you're giving it to <laughs> if you know they're a gardener just give them a, a gift certificate mm-hmm. you know to one of your local <laughs> garden centers mm-hmm. there there was uh, a, a family that used to come in and all the brothers and sisters would buy a thousand dollar gift card for one of the sisters who was just such an avid gardener uh and we come in every year and do that and then she just you know 15, 20 bucks at a time yeah. she'd spend it what all a, year long. That thing away. What a blast that <laughs> yeah. had to be. Oh, my goodness. That's that's yeah. a great stocking Last year, stuffer. my wife gave me hand pruners, a pair of Felco uh, 31s, which are oversized, and I can use both hands to Got to the longer handle them. on them? Yeah. On it, the hand pruners? You know, I'm losing my grip in my old age, and... And I think COVID vaccine did part of it, too. Well, we won't go into that. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, but it, it helps me, with, you know, be able to cut with being able to, to grab a longer handle. I mean, there's so, there's so many things at a garden center, mm-hmm. you know, gifts for the gardener. You know, like I said, gift certificates are always the, the one, number one. One of my favorites, too, is and then got my first one at Dan West was a Korean hen hoe. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I could, yeah. I could work in my rice paddy. It's yeah. Right. Just, just wonderful. Perfect. In mm-hmm. that wet, boggy area you <laughs> yeah. have. I you went, don't have one wet, boggy area in your yard, I bet. Well, I do have one where I have I have moisture loving plants yeah. you know oh, well, so um, that's good. and i have uh, my carnivorous plants are planted there but even there i put them i put dug a hole put a bowl down in there that would mm-hmm. hold water and then planted them in dirt inside the bowl so okay. it's always holding water yeah see that's what i wondered in, in theory you had created a rain garden I just, yeah i've created a but, bog garden yeah. for those but you in know. the south because we still we have good amount of rain but then we have a long time without rain so i wondered okay how does your rain garden survive but we need to um head out give us a call here number 901-260-5926 this is mid-south gardening on kwa good morning mid-south gardeners welcome back and if you have a gardening questions give us a call 260-5926 and we're also Asking if you've had some damage, storm damage, maybe uh, let us know or let us know where it is. So, like Jim said, put it on our Facebook page. It's always good to know what happened around you in case you're trying to drive down that road. Yeah. And that's not going to work. We've got a caller. Let's go to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for the call. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, East Memphis location inside the 240 loop. Mm. I'm an early lever to the donut shop. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's open, you're okay. <laughs> that's 
no damages out here much at all, seriously. And power, no power outages, thank God. Yeah, that's great. My question is, I've had to have a tree, big old taken down, been at the location about 44 years, house spaces pretty close to due west, front of the house, Mm. standard lot. My wife wants a tree back, and uh, I'm thinking maple, something that might be a little, maybe brilliant uh, Mm -hmm. in the fall. Yeah. Got even suggested. Well, I mean, maple is always going to be my first choice. Uh, I mean, if you like, I said they're taking down a, a pin oak, um, but the beauty of the maple and Jim Beta, y'all know this is they are once they're established, they're actually pretty fast growing. Yes, uh, you do get beautiful right. fall color. You know, uh, right. it's not you no, know, it's not really a messy tree uh, no. to speak of. Uh, I mean, it's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with these different maples that are on the market now. Yeah, I like the nuttall oak. It has a good red fall color, and it's more of a thinner, straight-up tree, too, if you're not wanting to have it, you know, 50 feet wide. So I like that one. So the nuttall oak and then the... Now, the yeah, I'm you know I'm sold on maples. I'd do an October glory if you want something in orangey yellow, if you want something in red, a red sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the blaze. Yeah, or autumn, uh, autumn blaze. Uh, yeah, I called uh, 64, mm-hmm. uh, Dan West, and mm-hmm. some some gentleman by the name, they recommended some gentleman by the name of the Southern Gentleman. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a really nice guy. Um, right. His name's Tom, like Tom Walton, and he does good work. Um, known him for a long time. I haven't given up on him, but I started the conversation about three weeks ago, and I almost had him, he finally returned the call. And I almost had him <laughs> uh, committed to stop by uh, one afternoon, and he said, uh, I'm going to communicate, too. But he, it, it slipped his mind or something. <laughs> well, he is as old as I am, so, I, you know. <laughs> but I'm going to pursue the Southern gentleman, and it's nothing's urgent. Yeah. But uh, he I, is, I think uh, I might go with one of those uh, blades. Yeah. Yeah. He is a very busy guy, I can tell you. He is a busy guy. Yeah, too. he does a lot of work for a lot of uh, large gardens, and he is um, yeah. he's he is hard to get. So, but I'm worth it. Continue to pursue him. Yep. And uh, thank you for your information. Oh, hey, take you. care, of my Tom. Friend. Thank you. Thanks for your information too. Yeah, buddy. I've used him for grading and for all kinds of stuff, and he's uh, he's really. Just a super nice guy and does really good work. I thought y'all were talking mm-hmm. about me for a second. Oh. I heard Southern Gentleman. I'm like, right. here I am, you know. That's yeah, also, it that also a... happens to be the name of a holly, which we're going to talk about in a little while. Southern Gentleman Holly? Southern Gentleman. It's a pollinator holly mm-hmm. for deciduous hollies. And we'll talk yeah. about that sometime here during the program. Right. I do like the maples for their color. I also like that oak as well. Yeah. I would hope... Um, or, you know, it's like the oak that's tall and thin. You still get the fall color, but you can put something else in also if you wanted two trees. Now, they it, wouldn't be in competition But it's not a columnar type, type oak, is it? No. It's not columnar, no, it's but not. it's yeah. just a thinner one. It it's just, not really wide. It, yeah. as, as, the, as the typical oaks that we see out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I like and, it. And then, of course, you, we know you can plant this time of year, as long as the ground is not frozen or just muddy wet. Like today. Yeah, <laughs> you can get out there... Um, you know, and in, in, in prepare your, you know, your soil, prepare the hole the correct way, and you can definitely plant a tree uh, this time of year. And a lot of people say, well, you know, is, is the tree's dormant or it's going dormant? 
doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The roots are going to still be growing through the winter. So you'll have a better root system on your tree that you plant this time of year next summer mm-hmm. than if you wait till you know late spring, early summer right. to do it. So, yeah, because you're just trying to get it to break out of the root ball. You know, get the roots going ahead and working right into that the hard pan of the soil on the outside. So if you like you said, if you start that early and the roots are finally breaking out of the root ball and attaching, then they're able to get the nutrients from and the moisture from around the plant too. And that's why we like planting now instead of right in the middle of summer. And then you know, all trees take some form of care, right? Had a customer or a man and woman come into the garden center yesterday with pictures, of course. And we've all seen, is it the shelf uh, mushroom that grows uh, around the the base of an oak tree? Yeah. Uh, There was just one. He he showed me, you know, this fungal growth, this mushroom growing from basically the crown of this uh, beautiful oak tree. It had moss all over it, green moss Mm -hmm. at the bottom and this, uh, this mushroom coming out. And he's like, Kenny, do we need to think about getting this tree taken down? And I said, well, not yet, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Does it mean that you have some decay going on? It does. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's in the trunk. Yeah, well, you're right, Jim. So, I mean, so it, it, but it was, and it was just one. Now, if this thing was all the way around the tree and just loaded up, then I'd say, you know, most definitely get an arborist out there and Mm -hmm. take a look. Uh, This was just one. I said, just get a little chisel or whatever, putty knife, and just knock it off of there. It might come back. Well, that's just the reproductive structure. The fungus is down in whatever is dying up underneath here, that dead wood. And it's not going on, you know, it's, it can be just a root uh, that was eventually choked from the plant. It can be a root from a different plant, mm-hmm. you know, that it's growing on. So yeah. We had a, a tree that I was working in some property and we saw some mushrooms. So went in and cleaned out that spot, got that spot cleaned out really right. good um, so it wouldn't continue to decay. And then we use that tree paste, that tree mixture, soft rock phosphate, manure, and diatomaceous earth, and just put all that on that area so it would help it heal quicker. And it's still there. And this was like six years ago. It was yeah. a large tree. So whether that actually what's helped, but I feel like it did because I've cleaned everything out. Yeah. It's, it's nothing is happening again. Well, and then yeah. you see a lot of these trees that are, you know, that they take down. Some right. of them are empty on the inside, Veda. Give us a call after this break, 260-5926. Good morning and welcome back. Give us a call, 260-5926. That's 260-5926. You can stream us on kwamradio.com as well and listen to us on our podcast. Hey, and we're going to give away right now to the second caller, four tickets to tomorrow night's program, The Singing Christmas Tree at Bellevue Baptist Church. Oh. A group of four tickets, second caller, call right now. So the singing Christmas tree, have y'all, y'all all seen it before? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's been 100 years since the last time I saw that. But You it's are such, looking pretty old. I mean. Yeah, but Jim, I mean, it really is a cool thing to go see. It um, really is. I mean, yeah, they sing wonderfly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the music's good. Of course, good. they should. 
Now, yeah. you want to set yourself some time back because it takes about an hour and a half to get in and out of the parking lot. Yeah, it does. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you said you're giving away yeah. four tickets? Four tickets yeah. each time. We're going to do it, uh, I think we're going to do it about six times over the course of the All program right. here. So, so you have to call 260-5926. Second caller. 260-5926. And, you know, y'all were talking about a while ago the bog uh, garden that yeah. you have, Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a commercial building, okay, a couple nights ago. And in front of this commercial building, there is a, a raised bed, a raised planter, you know, about, you know, three foot off the ground, brick all the way around it. And there was the either, I, I can't, I don't recall, but either it was a big deciduous holly that was in the center of this thing or a big Japanese maple, but there was a tree formed of something in the middle of this squared raised bed. And at some point not long ago, someone had planted probably a thousand pansies in this, this raised bed, right? Y'all, I saw, and I, I think what caught my eye was this one little puny little hmm. bloom that I saw. So I looked over there, and I'm thinking, that is not good. Most of the pansies were completely dead. Most, and the rest of them were just stringy. And like I said, there's one Ugh. bloom. And I said, what is going on? So I walked over there and kind of stuck my finger down there. It was a bog oh, no. garden, y'all. I'm uh-huh. telling you, it was so wet. I'm thinking, here's a, just another example of overwatering or inadequate drainage, which, one or the other. Which you see that a lot when people build, like build, builders build the planter boxes and they don't put any holes in them. Or they put them in there and then the roots follow through and they go right through the holes and seal them up. Well, yeah, but true. you know, we preach yeah. this all the time, you know, about good drainage, good drainage, good drainage. Around here we have, you know, heavy soil. Or we're just watering way too much. But, y'all, I just could not believe it. I mean, this would have been a really nice, really pretty uh, planter by the number of dead pansies mm-hmm. I saw in there. If they were all in bloom, it would have been absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But there was one little penny little bloom, y'all, that was coming up. And the rest of them were just dead, oh, I'm telling you. See, that you makes know. it hard for a new gardener. Yeah. If it was a new gardener. Of course, there's some gardeners that'll just do it. And make mistakes. You know, there's one of my... Uh, one of my doctor's offices over here in, in East Memphis, there's a long planter that runs through the whole length of the building. It's huge. Inside, Jim? No, it's outside, outside. but gotcha. it's all got glass on it, so it yep. could be very, very attractive. Mm-hmm. But some idiot planted horsetail reed in there, equisetum. And it is a zillion equisetum. Yeah. I don't know how many years it's been in there, yeah. but nothing else can even... No weeds come up in oh, it. Oh, no, no. It's so thick with equisetum. Mm, yeah. And, of course... As they get old, they get ugly, you know. So you almost have to cut them completely down and let them some, regrow. There are some pretty ones in there, but most of it just looks really bad. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. they, you know, it's such a shame. It could be so, so pretty, but you know, it, you would never get all that out of there. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Ew, that's true. We have some growing in our pond, and it's. We put it in there when it was about a foot tall, and now it's about five feet tall. And it's just a small section, which I was wondering why it hasn't moved on. So I think I'm going to clean it out. I just It's a small pond. I don't want it all, the whole pond, pickerel rush and horsetail reed. Mm-hmm. So it's always a maintenance with the pond, too. Yeah, but like, like invaded, you've, you know, we've talked about, let's say somebody has a, a fence on their back property line, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, we all know that you can go back there and put the same shrub all the way down from left to right, you know. But yeah. that's just not typically. What if they do right to left? Or right to left, either way. <laughs> but, you know, you've never been a proponent of that. You've always liked to put vignettes of different types of shrubs, you know, from one end to the other. 
And the same thing, Jim, like you're talking about in this planner. You know, it's full of nothing but mm-hmm. horsetail reed. And, and it I'm can sure. be such one a... One time it was one little clump here, yeah. you know, here and there that made it look quite attractive. Yeah, but I like the architectural look of the height. Yeah. We, like in Florida, I saw the mother-in-law's tongues. This planted in front of a building. And here, of course, we use and, it as a house plant. Yeah, and it was so clean and pretty looking. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that here, so I just replace with the horsetail reed. Mm-hmm. And, and what about the shrub, y'all, that I think, do we underutilize it? Do we underplant it, or is it just not really that indigenous to this area? And that's the different types of use. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it's a, yeah. you know, a Hicks U, uh, you know, a, a Plum U, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the look of a U. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so what are the keys? What are the secrets? What Mostly are... it's the drainage issue. Mm-hmm. We, you know, they prefer to be out in the sun. And I know of some that are out in full sun that are absolutely gorgeous. I shear them just like a hedge, and they're absolutely spectacular. Um, so don't think you can't plant a U. Yeah, yeah. Too many people here want to plant them in some shade, and they're not really a shade plant. They would prefer to be in sun, but drainage is critical. They just don't like our heavy clay soil. So when you get these warm night temperatures and during the summertime, it's tough on them mm-hmm. if they're wet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, so, so you could use like the Enlighten or the... Um, Soil Perfector. Soil Perfector, it's, yeah. yeah. It's got, and then Lighten's the same thing, yeah. just a different name. And you can buy soils that have it in there as well. So that would help a lot with your drainage, and planting a little bit high would help as well. Um, so there's a lot of times you can change the terrain that well, you have. Well, but it, it, but you drive to St. Louis. You'll see ewes planted oh, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, Where down here, you don't see but mm-mm. a few. This is the furthest south, really, that they'll yeah. even grow. Um, well, you, you, yeah. yeah. You get further south, you start seeing types of podocarpus, which right. is you know, sometimes called a ewe, but it, and it looks similar, but it's a better southern plant. Mm-hmm. But here... In past years, we you know it would get damaged some in cold weather. Now I don't think it would ever get damaged here anymore. I yeah. mean, if you had it established, but yeah. But, but all right, yeah. so but what about the used? I mean, are, do you have a problem with planting Not the used here? Not at all. As long as you elevate them, plant them high, make sure they have good drainage. And like Veda um, said, using something like soil perfector is key. Mm-hmm. If you're using a good soil mix that's got bark and stuff yeah. in it, it's going to work <clears throat> really well for a few years. And then as it begins to break down, mm-hmm. your drainage is going to decrease. Mm-hmm. So by having something kind of rocky in there, yeah. it prevents that from totally collapsing. Right. And we're and, not talking about like pouring... Um, Three-quarter inch rock size. No, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that's quarter inch mm-hmm. or so that will, the, and you can put in, like Veda loves to do, throw in some compost on top of it, yeah. and it will settle down through there and help mm-hmm. replace the soil that's, you know, breaking down inside of it. So, you know, I, I'd use 50% or so of that, and I think oh, you wow. would have a really, really good use. Okay. Yeah. So so drainage is the key, though, because, yeah. you know, I, I love that plant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's in containers or whether it's in beds and the landscape use, but I just, you know, think that, I just you know, we just don't see a lot of those yeah. grown around In containers, here. it should be really, really good because it, it's going to like that, and it can freeze just as cold as it wants. And right. It, it got to bother. Yeah, we use them in planters a lot. Yeah. I did plant a podocarpus U years, years back, but I've never went back or called the client to see how it made it through that one degree. But it was in a protected area, 
So I wasn't worried about doing that. But that podocarpus is so pretty, really. And I and we had used in the garden center, and it's like they get full sun on one side and shade on the other side and not a lot of water, and they're performing wonderfully. I'm going to have to take them out of the pot and make them bigger. And these are podocarpus you're talking about? Yeah. No, these actually were the Hicks you Gotcha. Type yeah. of you. Okay. Yeah. So I think yous are great. The Harrington you. The plum you. Yeah, and it's a false you. It's a plum you. Yeah. Harrington. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, uh, but I think it's cephalotaxis. prettier. Yeah. Um, I think that one's prettier. Yeah. Than and it me. will tolerate a little more shade than true yous will mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I see those more yeah. in shade as well. So, and it has different texture. The foliage is a lot greener. It's a darker yeah. green. It would be mixed really pretty with the hookahs or um, that yellow everillo grass mm-hmm. um the carrots yeah. yeah that's that's just showing its thing right now it's beautiful yeah you know and i've always heard mm-hmm. that you can't trim it it doesn't recover very well rick mm-hmm. budwell told me that years ago and so this past spring i thought i got this huge clump it's it's three feet across i'm just gonna take the weed eater mm-hmm. to it and see mm-hmm. what happens and it took it most of the summer but it it's recovered and just looks beautiful yeah so, sometimes it's worth it to give up for a minute yeah uh, of the um foliage being gone because you can't clean out the foliage it's tough. make it look better yeah. yeah so that's good to know it took it a while it took said, it a while it took it, it most of the summer to fill back mm-hmm. out but you can't tell now that it was ever weed eated yeah and then it's going to look great next yeah. uh, spring too so that's good to know i i wonder if you can do that to the everilla too uh, the, the yellow one uh, that's what this one was oh yeah good good mm-hmm. good yeah. okay because there's um what's other car- carrots the blue well, yeah you've got everillo you've got of I course know, i know all I, of these I and I we sell a lot out in the spring yeah. i can't even there's a green one there's a variegated yeah. with white on the inside white on the outside right. Um, Let's go that way. Yeah, there's People, a whole bunch of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they're they're like, I don't need to know all those names. Just what color yeah. is it? And, and Kerrix uh-huh. looks like an ornamental grass yeah, to some extent. It will tolerate the shade. Uh, yeah. You know, and I've got some wide leaf Kerrix that have the, I don't know if I showed you all the red bloom on them. They're just stunning. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was yeah. very surprised it had a bloom on it. Yeah, it's a really unusual red flower on it. It's not very tall, about six inches or Which so. Which Carex is that? Uh, you would ask that. Yeah, I know. I'm um, sorry. I'll think of it here in a minute. <laughs> right, but, right. But it's no a, pop quizzes. <laughs> yeah, came from, I got it from Plant Delights. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a really unusual one. It's a cool plant to. Hmm. So we need to plant more ewes next yeah. year. More carex. In, in the right space and make sure mm-hmm. you got good drainage and more carex out there. Right. Well, y'all can give us a call after these messages. And um, also, Jim, about the tickets. Okay, let's give away another set of four. And it's a uh, second caller right now. It's uh, four, four tickets to tomorrow night's show of... Uh, the singing Christmas tree at Bellevue Baptist Church. Two Call six, now. 260-5926. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I just had someone text me and say they had their power out in Midtown, Ugh. the Midtown area. But somebody else said, well, is that any different than another day? Yeah, really. <laughs> But if you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. And we know we had the storms come through last night. Like Veda was just saying, if y'all have any, see any damage out there, any power outages, be sure to give us a call and let us know where we can pass it along. And also, like Jim was saying a while ago, they're giving away, we, mm-hmm. they, we yes. are giving away um, 
four tickets to the Singing Christmas Tree for Bellevue Baptist Church, and this is for tomorrow's edition, mm-hmm. right? That's correct. Oh, uh, 901-260-5926. So give us a call. You don't even have to ask a question, but it would be great if you would ask a question like, I'm wondering how many big trees we lost in Memphis. Do you think we've, well, how can, well, well can I, I heard, ask that? Last but. night I heard that there were several reports of big trees down, but, you know, I saw from Bartlett to here, nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, no power outages, everything yeah. was hunky-dory. And, Jim, you <laughs> talked about why do we lose our big oak trees, you know, when we get, I mean, we all know why, but mm-hmm. what happens, I mean, you get a big oak tree that falls over. I mean, you would think it would pull up the house and everything around it with the root system that <laughs> right. you're supposed to see on an oak tree. But you don't see that on it these big... They don't go deep here. You know, it's just because of our clay soil. We have a, a root system that's extremely wide, and on average about two and a half times the width of the canopy. So if you've got a 50-foot wide tree, it's roughly 125-foot root zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the soil is really wet, it doesn't take much to flip that up. And then break all the roots. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and they're all going to be in the top, you know, 15, 18 inches of soil. So uh, even even on pine trees here, they get down and the, the taproot will rot off after it gets down a certain depth. Because of that cl- heavy it, clay that yeah. we have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, little air. And uh, so all the nutrients they get are pretty much from the rain. You know, that's where the nitrogen they're getting from. And so they are at the surface competing and, and they are the dominant organism. They're going to get their nitrogen and everything else around it is mm-hmm. going to suffer. Mm-hmm. That's why... If you look at a, a tree that's been planted out in some of these new subdivisions, you'll see the Bermuda grass is already dying where there's no shade. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's because those roots are out there and they're competing heavily for that food. And the tree so, is going to going to get it. Yeah, and the shade's eventually going to get it, mm-hmm. but it it starts even before the thing casts any shade. Right. Yeah, I've recommended maybe double fertilizing, especially if you're using organic, um, around the the tree. So some for the grass. And some for the roots, so double fertilizing maybe. And then I've wondered, too, a lot of trees, because, you know, some trees fall, obviously, and some don't. And, and again, it's like, well, why? And I've thought, well, possibly people haven't planted them right, and then the roots never dug really deep Mm -hmm. because they always watered shallow. But these trees are really old, and I'm sure back then they were just stuck in the ground and probably planted more properly, actually. Yeah, and most of them will withstand 60, 70 mile an hour winds. It's when you start getting above that that they just, it's tough on some of them. You know, we lost so many of them there around Stringer Nursery in Midtown when I Mm -hmm. worked there during Hurricane Elvis. Yes, that was, oh my goodness. But who didn't? They were huge trees that have been there forever. Um, And it's just because, you know, they're not, this area is not used to 100, 110 mile an hour yeah. straight line winds. Oh, Hurricane Elvis. It was the first time ever that I was going to be really late for work. And I had no idea it was happening because I was I lived out of town more. Well, in uh, Rossville. And then you were at Stringer's Chickasaw and Tillman. And I'm the one in Collierville. And so I'm calling them. I'm sorry, I'm late. And uh, Julie's like, we're in the closet. Yeah. I'm going, why? <laughs> and so I looked out the window, and I could see this black rolling Coming towards in. you. It hadn't hit you right yet. right in the yeah. middle, driving. So first time ever. But you know what's amazing is how palm trees can take so much wind. Well, there's not a lot 
to for them to win to <laughs> yeah. grab. Right. That's right. They're cutting right through the trunk of that tree. It looks yeah. like a ponytail right. been around. And, but I, I still was amazed at even how much wind it could take. Well, but, and I guess that's but, why they're there because yeah. there's extra wind. Yeah. But also on these, especially the older trees that we have, um, arborists have a, a job to do. And they, they're out there for a reason. And sometimes we have to get professional help in there to diagnose and and pr- properly prune and fix our trees. Uh, it's something that, there again that takes maintenance, like mm-hmm. everything else that we have out right. there in the landscape. Yeah, it's easier to well, not easier, but you can say the tree's newly planted, maybe even five years. It's I can diagnose what's going on, but then when it gets bigger, 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 no way. Can I diagnose that? Because they arborists have so many other tools yeah, in, and learned in different ways. In the yeah. woods, you know, when trees are coming up close to each other, they don't put on a massive amount of canopy. They're very, very narrow. They're not going to be an issue like they are when we plant one out in the yard. It puts on much more canopy than it would normally. And so it's just a big catcher's mitt <laughs> for winds. So sometimes it's if you worried about one, uh, you can go in there and strategically move some, remove some mm-hmm. limbs to let air flow through it better. Right, it yeah. improves disease mm-hmm. if you have having powdery mildew or something like that. More but light it, for your lawn. But it also yeah, al- thank you, uh, allows uh, <laughs> the, wind, the wind to pass through yeah. the tree, and it's not near as likely to fall. Great point. Yes, yeah. I love to prune. I really do. Okay, y'all give us a call, 260-5926. That's 260-5926, or stream us online. KWAMRodeo.com. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning welcome back y'all glad you're here with us this morning we'd love for you to join in our conversations we do a lot of talking just having a conversation but definitely you can butt in oh absolutely (laughs) because it wouldn't be (laughs) right real easy so we'd love to hear your comments and your questions and uh, it's 260-5926. 901-260-5926. the number. And, of course, well, um, what they the, the mm-hmm. Mighty 990 Facebook page and kwamradio.com. Yeah. And if you're not a member, we invite you to jump on Mid-South Gardening, our Facebook group. Um, and uh, it's a good place. You can, you can brag. You can ask questions. A uh, lot to learn. Um, we have a lot of files there where you can get information. In fact, this morning uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, during the next hour about uh, deciduous hollies. That's the, Love them. Everybody mm-hmm. you know, goes around town and, and, and sees these trees that have red berries and no leaves. They go, oh, what is that? Mm-hmm. I have wondered why there's not a plethora of those planted. Mm-hmm. Well, we can go into that, too. I may have a few and have we comments heard any, on that one. Have we heard anything new or indifferent about boxwood, boxwood blight that we had talked about 
couple of weeks ago. No, other than that it had been found here right. in Shelby County. And I bet every time I pass a boxwood, I look at it now. <laughs> yeah, me yes, too. Uh, just to see so that I can report it if we do see it anywhere but else. But hadn't heard so. anything good, bad, indifferent? Have not no. heard any more about whether they found it in any other gardens or, or what. So, so but if we, we will hear, keep you posted. Yeah. If we hear on a Citizens app or that all they can see is some man head down in the boxwoods and we have no worries it's jim yes i know but isn't that a thing when i go anywhere i'm i'm checking you know what's wrong what's wrong only because i'm wanting to learn what's wrong and sometimes i miss the beauty of the landscape trying to find the things that are what that's wrong but most people aren't going to see that but so, or how about, have you ever done this? You're at someone's house oh. and you sneak over there and see if that house plant's got enough water. Well, it's like the story <laughs> I said in the first I'm hour. checking everything. When I was at the commercial building and right in front of it, all these pansies were dead except for that I one. I noticed and you went over and checked. I had checked. to go there and check the soil. <laughs> like this thing is just way too wet, right. you know, so. I just, yeah. just want to know. You learn by your own mistakes, and you learn by other people's mistakes. Well, but I've, I was talking to some three or four ladies that came into the garden center this week, uh, and they all have lots of beautiful boxwoods in their landscape, and they are very concerned mm-hmm. about boxwood blight uh, because we all know it's in the Virginias and Knoxville and even Nashville, and you know then we get a case you know that's that's they found here. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very worrisome, to be honest with you, especially if you have a lot of boxwoods. Now, the good thing is, I mean, they are coming out with newer varieties of boxwoods that's supposed to be more boxwood blight resistant. Mm-hmm. That surely doesn't mean that they're boxwood blight proof, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the next-gen varieties, the, you know, the Independence and the Freedom, for, for example, those two varieties are supposed to be very resistant. But, you know, let's just hope that we don't even get to that point. But I can't imagine us not at some mm-hmm. point, guys. It yeah. seems like, you know, sooner or later we get whatever right. the other people out there have gotten. Yeah. Well, this, this one's particularly, I'm sorry, particularly troublesome because it can be spread by birds, you know, and that's that's going to be an issue. Um, oh, dear. You know, Spread by mm-hmm. birds, it's on their feet. It's yeah. on their feet. You know, the spores are very sticky. It can be spread by people just by walking in a pathway mm-hmm. or something near near the boxwoods and take them into another garden. But birds are going to be, I think, our primary issue, the way they're going to be spread. Yeah. So. Yeah, building up the resistance is even would be even difficult because you have to build the resistance a lot. To You know, it's like if you get some good stuff in your soil, you get some good microorganisms, the plant performs more fully and has more energy. So that can help resist a lot of insect, disease, fungal problems, or hold them at bay. Well, but but I, this is going to be a little more where I'm not thinking I'm just going to rely on organic practices right. in, in this case. So what, Jim, what, or Ken, what are they, what are we putting, well, what are we doing? Well, I, I, as a, I'm sorry. I, well, I was just saying, Jim, I think, first of all, I think people need to, to understand what boxwood blight looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, just Google it, look at the pictures. That way you'll be aware, you know, of mm-hmm. what it looks like and you know what to look out for. Not to be confused yeah. with the winter burn. That's right. Yeah. Right. And it's different. Eh? You, you're going to see massive leaf drop off of it, which is kind of the giveaway that it's an issue. But then when you look at the stems, you're going to see black streaks on the the young stems. Uh, And that's going to be the real telltale sign. sign. Yeah, It's it's fairly easily prevented if you stay on the spray program. But we're talking about spraying probably every two to three weeks 
all through the growing season whenever it's hot and humid. Uh, and that's not just this year, but next year oh, and the year after. And like your grandkids that. will have to pick up the program because uh, it's, cause it's <laughs> it, you know it's you know anything uh, propiconazole, mm-hmm. tebiconazole, or daconil. Uh, daconil uh, particularly is good. Uh, and if you're using those, you really should alternate just occasionally, just so that you don't build up any resistance to it. But they they're pretty good at stopping it. Mm-hmm. But we need to focus on changing to other types. The wintergreen boxwood it gets the disease, but it doesn't show any symptoms. So it's not going. You know, it's if you bring one in, though, you could bring an infected one. And if you've got American boxwood, they can go right down really quick. <laughs> but if you're thinking about planting boxwood or want that look that uh, only a boxwood really can give you, then move towards wintergreen or some of the ones that we know are more resistant, right. like derunk, which is an mm-hmm. upright one. Right. Um, what about no, green I think it's, velvet? Uh, I, think I love green velvet. Uh, I know you're going to say. It's, I'm going to have to check the list now because yeah. it's I, I, I have a list, but I'm not in front well, of me here. There's so many boxwoods. That's right. It's going to be so, and, and I had no idea. Some of them that are very closely related one gets it really bad and one doesn't get it at all. I here's mean, a here's a, a good question to ask. There's um so many boxwoods and they all have some botanical names. Sure. You know, like there's the um yeah, what's some, so what's well, a bugs few? this, you know, yeah. symptom variants there's variants, yeah. I mean, but you, but those are the ones, the American boxwood, the English boxwood, the Justin Browers, mm-hmm. those type of boxwoods are so susceptible right. to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what what I was saying was actually don't panic yet, you know, cuz you could have a boxwood that's not susceptible. That's so right. don't go doing things that's really just wasting your time and your money if that boxwood's not even susceptible. Well, but also yep. don't panic just yet because also, you know, uh, some root rot uh, can have the same symptoms as boxwood blight. Dog urine can do the yeah. same thing. I mean, and it's not a blown up uh, disease that's here in Shelby County. Like I said, we've had so far just one case, but I'm just thinking ahead of what can and could mm-hmm. happen, and people just need to be aware of that. Cutting back on watering. Or overhead watering. Yeah, splashing you know, is, a, is one of the issues because it can be splashed back up onto it. Yeah. Uh, and again, one of the other issues is that it lasts so long in the soil. It produces spores that can stay in the soil for up to six years that we know of. So, um, you know, you could take them all out and then think next year, oh, I'll plant some more back in and you're just as likely to, for it to come right. back. So um, do a little research. Um, I'll, I'll get together this week a list of those boxwood that are resistant and get it printed on our, our Facebook group so yeah. people yeah. can go there and, and see. You know, If you've got one that we feel is highly susceptible, I'd start a spray program on it in the spring if you're inside the loop. Mm-hmm. I would. Well, uh, it's almost just as cheap to replace them. I mean, something I, else. Yeah. I know there's some huge ones that's going to I would be freaking out on. But it's just going to almost cost the same to replace them as you buying the stuff or well, paying somebody to do it. The fun- fungicides are unfortunately one of the most expensive things you'll have to That's spray. Right. That's right. So um, you know, it's that you're just going to have to weigh that option whether or not you know you want to take once you, once you get it, take it out and replace it with a holly mm-hmm. or uh, or or something. And then else. you then you wonder, you know, eventually, let's say we do get it, we get it really bad here in Shelby County. You know, is it going to go away kind of like the Otto Luke and Laurels to me go away? You know, mm-hmm. distillium is a newer shrub right. that's on the market. I wish it'd go away. And, and distilliums, Jim, 
kind of took the place of the autolucans yeah. that people used to plant. And there's so oh. many varieties and then, now. Uh, right. Yeah. Jim's shaking his head. Oh, and I then, you know, the box was, let's just say people quit planting boxwoods. You know, I'm talking about years down the road. If this really becomes a problem, what's going to be the shrub that takes you know the the place of the boxwood. Uh, yeah. headside, headside juniper. It's a nice rounded Very well plant. Could be. I mean, if you're looking for that look of the round, and then the hedge, and then the round. But in I the meantime, we're going to go that. to our break here. Give us a call, second caller, if you'll call right now at nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. We're going to give you four mm-hmm. tickets to the um, uh, singing Christmas tree at Bellevue Baptist Church tomorrow night, and then we're going to go to a break, and we'll be back to this uh, gardening nonsense in just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Garden. We encourage you to give us a call and butt into our conversation. Let us know. Want to hear from you. Yeah, call. Particularly if you've had any damage during the night. Um, any yeah. power outages, if you're listing on something that's battery powered, let us know. And call, and even if it's not a question about what we're talking about, we'll take a question. Because, you know, we'll just talk forever. And yep. then you'll think, well, they didn't say anything about what I wanted to know. And that number is 260-5926. You know, you can even post a question on our Facebook page. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the Mighty 990 Facebook page. Absolutely. And um, if you don't want to be on air, when you call in, Claire can uh, just take your question. And then, Jim, what about these tickets? Okay, yeah, we're going to give away. Is it... Um, yeah, yeah, let's go, go ahead and do some do four more. Okay, four tickets. First caller this time call gets four tickets to uh, singing Christmas tree tomorrow night at Bellevue Baptist Church. So give us a call. That's four great. tickets. That's great. That it's easy. And we had, did have a texter uh, on the Mighty Nine Ninety Please spoke. Yeah, uh, Miss Wendy Johnson. She said, "Do you have any info on gray dogwood?" Uh, Information, Jim, on gray dogwood, which is just a native dogwood. It is, uh, in it, but it's not a flowering dogwood as what you would expect. It has a, kind of a panicle white flower. Now, unfortunately, the leaves look a lot alike, and mm-hmm. a lot of people go out in the woods and they say, oh, I'm, ooh, here's a little tiny dogwood. I'm going to dig it up and take it and plant it. You know, and you do, and it takes, you know, seven or eight years for them to get big enough to bloom. And then you go, oh, darn. <laughs> bloom? It's almost like a mock orange. Yeah, it's, yeah, so uh, it, it's still a nice tree, and it's, it produces some berries, so it's great for the birds. You know, if you've got a large um, kind of wild wild area that you like to feed birds and that sort of thing, it's a good plant to have. Uh, but it is. But you're not going to you're not going to get that nice big bloom no. that you see on a Floridian dogwood mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you're saying it's okay. You can plant them. Uh, you're going to have a different small. Almost like a privet hedge type bloom. Well, yeah, it's a panicle, lots of tiny, tiny little yeah. flowers. If you've ever grown any of the the shrub dogwoods, um, about midsummer or so, they they at the top they'll have the panicles of tiny, tiny little flowers, be hundreds of them. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of what it looks like. Now, is it, go ahead. Is it still susceptible to mildew and, and bores like you know just Maybe typical not dogwoods? Maybe not as much are? because um, it's more. Native, more indigenous. No, yeah. Well, you know the flowering dog was native too. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, it's it can still get powdery mildew. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that I believe. No matter what, it gets powdery mildew. That's just the thing with dogwoods, and that's like a white. 
film on your foliage. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that the plant is severely hurt. You know, a lot right. of plants can live with the powdery mildew on there. Uh, and in some years, we see it more than others. Yeah. So it's you know, it just depends on how heavy it is and whether or not you're worried. If your tree is is doesn't have a whole lot of foliage, then yeah, I'd probably spray it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you've got a nice canopy dogwood that's got lots and lots of foliage, I'd just do a little selective pruning here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Again, try not to overhead water. Um, but, you know, a lot of the powdery mildew doesn't even need water. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, it's not always a, a but, cure for your problem. But, but yeah. you also made the comment about, you know, the we're talking about the native dogwood here, uh, the gray dogwood. That if you find one out there in the woods, you know, like a lot of us do, we'll just dig one up, take it home, and go, oh, we got a brand new mm-hmm. dogwood. Yeah. But you're saying you might have to wait up to seven years for yeah. that thing to bloom. Yeah, a lot of people do that. They'll go out in the woods, and they'll find one, and it looks like a dogwood leaf. You know, So you dig it up, you, know, you take it home, you plant it, and it does just great. But, you know, like... Teenagers, they, they get, you know, up on there in years before they decide they need to reproduce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, you know, like by, fruit trees, too. They yeah. take a number of years, and pecan t- trees take yeah, a number so of years. Somewhere around year seven or eight, you start getting some flowers on it, and, and you're really disappointed because that's not what you hope. And how, how big does this thing get, Jim? Um, 15, 18 feet no, tall just, and, you know, 20 feet wide or so. You no, know, I, I'm liking Well, I wish. I saw a picture, and it was more... Uh, in a better climate than what we have, but it was the red t- twig dogwoods oh, yeah, and the yellow. Dogwood. Oh, they're yeah. great. They're so the beautiful. Twig. And they had planted a mass planting, red kind of in the front, yellow. It wasn't front, back, but just in the area. And then they planted a tree. I'm really not sure. Maybe it was. It looked like an aspen. It wasn't an aspen, but the bark was that like color. Like a paper birch, a river birch, yeah, or so something. Yeah, so you've got yeah. a whole landscape of something with no leaves on it, but it's just beautiful and inspiring. Mm-hmm. But why? Good bog plants, too. They'll grow in wet soil. See, that's bizarre. Yeah. And, they're, and, they're, and let's clarify, the red twig dogwood and the yellow twig dogwood, those are more like shrubs. They're yeah. not really a yeah, tree. Yeah, they're like five right. feet at yeah. the most. Yeah, I have maybe? red twigs planted primarily because they're good. Well, you get the red color, mm-hmm. obviously, during the wintertime, but they're food plant for like a dozen different moths and butterflies. So, you know, during different times of year, particularly um, mm-hmm. uh, the maple moth, uh, it'll have this tiny little almost pure white caterpillar, and they'll strip oh, the leaves pretty. off of it. But it's really okay on yeah. those. Yeah, they'll put the leaves right back out. You know, they're fine. And then, you know, in the spring, I cut it all the way back to the ground. Right. Uh, because every year. Every year, because the first year twigs are the reddest. Mm. They get less red as you go on. So to have the best color, just shear it off at the ground, let it put up on lots more twigs, and you'll have it's a prettier plant. You know, it's just uh, mm. amazing because we're always saying dogwoods, dogwoods don't like a lot of water, plant them high. But that's the flowering dogwood. And then we're going, okay, I'm buying the red stem dogwood, so we probably need to plant that high, not water it a lot. Well, it would grow, but, you know, it's one of the few that will tolerate lots of water. So and that's it looks great. best, yeah. yeah. It gets kind of, if, if you plant it in dry soil along in the summertime when it's starting to flower, leaves get a little crispy. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just not the prettiest plant. But um, if you'll plant it where it's soggy all the time, mm-hmm. it stays gorgeous. Yeah, so I want I, I encourage people to plant stuff like that because also 
in the winter. You can prune the red twigs and put them in your Christmas or your fall containers. Mm-hmm. Just stick them right in there. See, that's what so, they're just thinking about. Right. So, so basically, on the red twig and yellow twig, twig dogwood, for me and for Jim, I'm more planting it for the utilization of right. it yeah. and for the balance of nature of it. And if it looks kind of bad throughout the season with the foliage falling off, that's fine because I'm visualizing it for the other things it needs. So Isn't that amazing, it, yeah, though? God. Yeah, All right, so, Wendy, hopefully that will help you out on the gray dogwood, the native, you know, dogwood uh, that's indigenous to this area. And we hear that and see that a lot. So, yeah, hopefully that that'll clarify. You know, we ought to put together a list of things that you can cut, put in planters that don't need water, that will stay pretty mm-hmm. and have a nice show all through the winter yeah when i do mine i do them in soil i put soil in the container so that's holding the moisture when you take a a cutting and stick it down in there you're talking about instead of like doing rocks and then sticking stuff down in there or the styrofoam green pieces the oasis yeah Yeah. you just use dirt right exactly 260-5926 give us a call we'll be right back after these messages Morning to Mid South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call. That's 260 5926. If you go to our Facebook page, you can post a question there. And we'd love to hear what your comments are or what's happening in your yard. And some people are probably just now looking in their yard, mm, seeing yeah. what's flattened out or fallen down. But I don't think there's a lot of damage. If anybody has a lot of damage or roads closed, just give us a call and um, I believe all be the leaves are down this it. morning. That's what I said. If there's <laughs> any leaf left after this, I will be amazed. I'm surprised there's any leaves on the shrub. I wonder how uh, intense the winds were. Did you hear? Um, at one time, they had where you that, were. that wind yeah. thing in, in Bartlett they were showing on the news last night mm-hmm. was showing 55-mile-an-hour winds. So I would have thought ours were a little higher than that. Just looking mm-hmm. out the, the back window. My, this is bizarre. I have a snowflake lights that are battery operated. You turn them on and off. So, of course, I turned them off and set them down on the ground because I just had laying on the shrubs. They're on. The, somehow, the storm turned the lights on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm thinking. The lightning must have done something to I that charge, know. that battery or something. Maybe, because I had them turned off, so the switch has to be moved to turn them back on. Yeah. I didn't investigate that this morning at 4.30, though. Well, Jim gave mm-hmm. us a teaser, like, in the first hour. He said we're going to eventually talk about deciduous hollies. Yes. And that is that holly that it's just what a nondescript looking thing during the growing season yes it's just a holly and then it, all of a sudden it drops all of all of its leaves and we're talking right. about holly that drops its leaves mm-hmm. why don't i want a, a holly that drops right. its leaves it right it goes naked yeah. yeah it goes naked as jim said it shows but its berries when it leaves behind there are lots of berries like mm-hmm. they just said that's right we have two types of deciduous hollies that grow around here one is the winterberry and the other is the possum hall Old-fashioned mm-hmm. possum hall. Which yep. I used to think were the same. They're not. And the problem is, you know, they bloom at different times. So in hollies, you have mostly male plants or female plants. They're one or the other. 
There are a few that are both. Yeah. And there are a few that are just female that produce berries and don't need males. Um, so anyway, it gets a little kinky in there somehow. Yeah. Um, I but <laughs> I was like, uh, Jim, yeah. where are you at? Where yeah. You at? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but uh, you got to have a male around to have uh, the beautiful berries, berries. On, on a winterberry, and it needs to be fairly close. Uh, we like to have them within 50 feet or so. Um, you could go a little bit further, and, and there may be one growing nearby. Now, in the case of possum hollies, any American holly, even the evergreen hollies, will pollinate it. Any Alex opaca, uh, the East Palatka, the green leaf, the, the yeah. plain old sticky leaf holly you find in the woods, that's yeah. Alex opaca. Those will all, they're blooming at the same time, so they'll pollinate a possum haw. But the other ones, the, uh, the winterberries, they're not blooming. So you pretty much have to plant a pollinator by them. Okay. And so you want to get a male. Um, we have all this information on our, webs- uh, on our Facebook group. So you can go there and look at the file. It's Deciduous Hollies, and it's down near the bottom of our files, and there are a bunch of them. So, yeah. uh, but you know, the ones that you're likely to see here as far as possum haws, the most popular one is Warren's Red. It has, yeah. It's yeah. good berries. Uh, it's it's going to get 20 feet tall with age, about 15 feet wide. Yeah. Makes a mm-hmm. nice-looking plant. Tree. It makes and, a nice yeah. little tree. And you want to, if, if you don't have a, an American holly nearby, you want to plant a red escort. Now, it's a smaller plant. It only gets oh, 8 to 10 feet tall or so. And you can just plant it back in the, you know, the back where it just makes a nice little shrub, but you're going to produce the flowers uh, so that you'll have the berries. Uh, with the, the winterberries, there are a bunch of those out there. Uh, probably the most popular is uh, either winter red or one called sparkleberry, which mm-hmm. is a hybrid mm-hmm. of of the um, Alex Vertis. I do like sparkleberry. Yeah. yeah. And with those, uh, you're going to want to find a, a pollinator. And you'll see several. Uh, either Apollo, Jim Dandy, or Southern Gentleman are all male um, winterberry hollies. That, so you want to get one of those to plant with it. You can plant them in the same hole if you wanted to okay, and mm-hmm. just let them grow up together and mm-hmm. they you'd never know that there's a male in there. Now, if you're not getting berries, then here's the issue. You either have no male nearby or you got a male. And the way to right. tell is when you look at a, a holly flower on one of these, in the spring, it's going to look like a tiny little dogwood flower, mm-hmm. four petals. But in the center, if there is a cup that looks like you could set a little ball in it, then that's male. If there's the ball already in there, that's a female. So if you catch it in flower, you can tell whether or not you have a male or a female, and then you'll know what to fix. But there again, you need to know whether it's a possum haw or a winterberry so that you can get the right male. <laughs> okay. But if it's not having any berries on it now then likely it's a it's a winterberry it's not a possum hole because there are a lot of hollies around here that would pollinate a possum so so when you buy a possum hole and you're buying it for the berries that's why we typically buy these plants you're saying jim just naturally there are so many hollies already out there you shouldn't have an issue yeah so Mm -hmm. they're typically are going to get pollinated and do their thing but when you get to the alex decidua the deciduous hollies alex Verticillata. Okay. Alex the sparkleberry and, and those yeah. type of uh, deciduous hollies, you generally do have to buy a male pollinator yes. to ensure that you get that, that berry That's production. Right. Yeah. yeah, this is how I'll explain it. Buy two. 
Just buy two. Well, hold on, but you can't buy just. Well, you got to know which ones mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. yeah, but buy two. Well, yeah. okay. Yeah. We had a we had a, yeah. somebody write in this week. Mm-hmm. You know that they had bought a holly, didn't get any berries, so they went back to the place they got it, and they got a second one, and they still mm-hmm. don't have any berries. So there's another so issue going on. Plant three. <laughs> Your chances are going up that you'll yeah. get something else. Right, right. And plus the wonderful red berries are, again, great for the Christmas containers. Yes. Uh, you can put them in your garland that you hang on the fence that you put around your door. You can stick of the red berries, stick of the red berries yeah, stick <laughs> into the things on the, things on the mantle, the garland and all that. Oh, and Nandina berries really add a good character. Well, to your but Christmas. but think about it. When we see a holly, we typically think of an evergreen holly, and a lot mm-hmm. of your evergreen hollies still have berries on them. You know, mm-hmm. you take a cutting, and it's got the leaves and yeah. the berries. But the beauty of the deciduous holly is you have nothing no but berries. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that's all that's left when the leaves fall off. How yeah. many years would it take me to get mm. more strand of berries? Mm. Well, you know, if you buy a good size one, it's, oh, you can the next year. They're, they're, you know, if you get one that's naturally a large grower, it's going to grow pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I moved into my house, there was one that I'm not sure whether I actually planted it because it was a year or two later. Uh, or whether it was there, right. I really can't remember. But it was not in a good place, and so I cut it down, and it re-sprouted for three or four years before I finally got rid of it. Uh, but it was in the shade and wasn't getting any berries, mm-hmm. you know, one or two sparse. But um, yeah, I see them when they're a lot of shade. They get the sooty mold. They get more insects yes. on them. Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're a full sun loving plant. Mm-hmm. Well, that was going to be my next question. What is the the best growing scenario for these deciduous hollies? Mm-hmm. Full sun. Yeah, at least half a day sun. Yeah, and uh, which here full sun yeah. six hours. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Wendy Johnson, uh, she texted in about the dogwood a while ago. She sent another text in on the Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page. She said, uh, "Would a male possum hall pollinate with a Nellie Stevens?" Yeah. Uh, no. Oh. No, Nellie no. Stevens is a Chinese holly. It doesn't bloom at the same time. And that's okay. the key. Is you got to have yeah. them blooming at the same. time. And you'd have time. to have a male Nellie Stevens. Most all of the Nellies that you see produced are females. So they're produce, if they're producing berries, they're not a pollinator. Man, we're so fortunate. There's a lot of different yeah. plants around here, a you, lot of hollies. Yeah, so, yeah, you don't see a lot of male hollies except like in yopons. The dwarf yopon is a male. It never produces mm-hmm. a berry. But the upright yopon are almost all females right. that you see produced. Um, the, the Most of the Chinese holly that you see, the rotundas that you – those are all um, uh, fe- um, all males. Uh, Japanese hollies, almost all of those are males because the females are weaker plant. Right. They produce a blackberry that's really not very pretty. So, you know, there are a lot of either males or mm-hmm. females that are grown. But like with, in Wendy's case, though, uh, would a, you know, if she if she gets a possum haul, even though she's got Nellie R. Stevens in her landscape, that's okay because there are probably other hollies around her, very enough well of those, be, that yeah. where she's still going right. to get a, a pollination. Right. Yeah. So plant too. <laughs> and then I know we don't have time, uh, but I'm going to read this, maybe not to answer it, because I know we've got to go to a break here in a minute. But this is uh, also on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. Uh, this is Riley Newman. It said, recommendations on overwintering a potted lavender plant. Uh, it's in a big terracotta pot. Uh, what low temperature can it tolerate? Uh, and thank you. So we're oh. talking about lavender in a container as far as overwintering in right. a pot. Because in the ground, it can definitely make it. And I've got one in a container right now, and it's about to bloom. 
but I stressed it a little bit. But what if you don't want to take it out of the pot? I mean, because of the drainage issues mm-hmm. and all of that. Well, let's see. I think this will be another experiment, even though it's still sort of in a protective area. It's going to be on the outside where it can get the coldness and in a container. So if it goes um, cold for a long time, it freezes can, yeah. through the pot. Yeah, it, but if I bring it up against the porch and then maybe put some of the other plants around it that I have on the patio that are evergreen, it could be protected just enough. So you're saying, I mean, it's not really the cold that's going to affect the uh, lavender. Uh, it's, it's, if it gets so cold and freezes mm-hmm. through that pot, then that could kill it. But just a typical winter cold is not yeah. going to hurt that lavender. And there's different varieties of lavender, so you definitely need to get one that's good for this area. But I'm believing we should go off to a break. And y'all give us some gardening questions. I know we get technical sometimes, but that doesn't mean you can't call in and say, I have a plant <laughs> <laughs> that is green. What is it? Yeah. We'll take that too. All right, let's go out to break, to, and then we have Sue Knight after this, and uh, 260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926, 260-5926. And if you want to win four, win four tickets to the singing Christmas tree, then give us a call. And uh, Sue Knight, good morning. You're in the garden. Oh, wow, where, why you doing? Hey, Sue Knight, good morning to you, buddy. Oh, man, it's good. I ain't bragging, though, but, uh, you know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should brag, you know. You made it, through the, uh, made it through the storm last night okay, and hopefully no damage around your house or anything. Yeah, yeah, I was dreaming. I was dreaming good, man, with that rain falling. Uh, oh, I know. Exactly. See, I do exactly. sleep better when it's raining outside, yeah. What's going on this morning, buddy? Well, check out this here question. Now, look. Now, you know uh, a lightning can strike a tree and kill it. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, what do you suspect will happen if you were to take a 110 uh, uh, extension cord and and, and, and get, a, a, get it off into the trunk of yep. the tree? You know what I mean? The current. Yeah. Do you, do you suspect in due time that would kill that tree? Well, give it a lot of energy. I mean, really. Yeah, prob- probably blow a few fuses in your house, yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what? Why would? Why did you want to do that? Just thinking. I'm, just, I'm, every, I'm everybody and everything. And I just think a whole lot of different. I, uh, that's <laughs> what I thought. That's what I wanted to know because I I go off like that too. I just think. I mean, that's how inventions are made, right? I don't know if it would. It would I don't know if it'd be any benefit to the tree. To be honest well, with you, it kills everything. Has a magnetic or or electricity mm-hmm. current going through. Um, say, for instance, when we were under the power lines at one of the garden centers and the the shrub that we put the metal stake in almost grew like twice and was so pretty because it was capturing the conductive that energy. energy coming from the power yeah, lines above yeah, it. That's it, crazy. Yeah, we saw that in a number wow. of things. <laughs> Jim, what do you it's think? It's amazing. I mean, with um, what Sue Knight said, I mean, if you like if a, electricity has I mean, or lightning has enough electricity in it to kill and blow up a tree, of course. 
But what if you just are sending low amounts of current through a tree like that? I mean, we are really grasping for things to talk about here this morning. No, I'm just trying to answer Sue Knight's question. Do you think, I don't think that'd be any beneficial or detrimental effect, would it? Well, I think, yeah, you could probably end up killing the tree if, you know, a lot of it's going to depend, I think, on the amperage. Mm -hmm. But um, how old the tree is, even. Yeah. 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 You're more likely, though, just to blow the fuses in your house repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, first time it rains, it'll short out. Um, and then, of course, it'll grass will grow over it, and you'll hit it with a lawnmower. Yeah, and, and, you said, and, yeah. So, soon night, that's that's a dead end. We don't want right. to do that, then, buddy. Or you can do it and report to us. Do you, do you do you uh, uh, know how many volts of electricity will be in the average lightning stretch? Oh, oh my oh, word! Millions, yeah, because the temperature temperature is hotter than the yeah. surface of the sun. Yeah, when it millions. Hits. Yeah, it's it's more than you can generate. Yes, sir. and not all the time when lightning strikes a tree does it. No, kill I've it. got a, I've got a huge oak tree in my front yard that was yeah. hit when I before I moved in twenty years ago, and it, you can see the crack all the way up the side as far up into the trees you can see. Uh, but it the, the tree survived. It healed over. Uh, it does produce a bumper crop of acorns every year. But it's it's survived just fine. Yeah. Hey, my 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 uh 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 ghetto trans ghetto Christmas tree is doing fine out there. <laughs> yeah, good deal. It, you mean it even hung on through this wind? Or have you looked? <laughs> what, you said did it survive? Yeah, did it did um your yeah did your Christmas tree survive? Did it make through it through the, the storm? You got to look; those things are, are, are strong. They're tenacious when it comes to growing. Yeah, it just comes up on its own. I got I think a couple of them in the yard. Uh, and I did some with the one out there by the mailbox. <laughs> yeah, the postman will be leaving you a note one day. He will. <laughs> Masu Knight, you are great. Man, we hope you have a great uh, Christmas, uh, of course, season, and Happy New Year, brother. And we always appreciate your phone call. All right, y'all, y'all have a nice holiday, too. And y'all think about me when y'all start eating all that dressing and turkey and <laughs> potato pie, pumpkin pie. Think about me. That'll help. Oh, you yeah. got it, buddy. Right. Thanks, Sue Knight. Thanks for calling. We enjoy all the. The cause, I mean, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, but I don't think I'd be out there messing with electricity uh, just to be doing it, you know? Heck no. Well, that's how inventions are made. Well, that's how people ask die, Tesla. too. Yeah, ask, uh-huh. ask, that's, ask, that's the important yeah. part. Ask Tesla, <laughs> you know? Look what Tesla did with his experimentations of uh, electricity. So, but it's really, really honestly true that when I have a, even... If I wasn't under the power lines, I just noticed this all through the garden industry. Under the influence I, of what? I'm sorry. Under the power yeah. lines. <laughs> well, but, you, you, but you're conducting electricity back into you the are. Soil. I have I have seen people that will uh, put just soak themselves down with water, hold a, a, a fluorescent tube mm-hmm. on the ends, and go out and stand under the high power lines, See, and it will light up. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad either. <laughs> you know. But like you said, they uh, well, you know, they've done electrical therapy and electric shock, and but before it was kind of not or hedonistic in a way because they didn't know, and now they're microdosing with it has having some good effect on your brain. Uh, but I don't know if I want to live under the power lines. Yeah, don't. Though. Well, I yeah, I, I spent a lot of time. You under might the still power have lines. hair. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but maybe that's what <laughs> took it away. I'm not sure. <laughs>
I know. What does anybody <laughs> think about that? Just plan under the power lines and watch how much fruit you get. <laughs> it really does have something to it, though. I actually promise. I've been watching it for years. So, I mean, been in the garden center for years. And I've, I, I, before I even thought about it, I always said the first, the one with the sign is always the best one. Let's pick that one. Well, but I think when we get back from the break, you know, Jim's always talking about how it's, it's very common to have the limblets on Japanese maples dry up mm-hmm. through the winter. Is um, limblets? Limblets, little small limbs. <laughs> That's a good word. I and, know, um, limblets. And, you know, and then a lot of people that do have trees, I mean, is this the time of year to get out there and do any pruning, guys? Uh, or have somebody prune for you? we've got to wait a little oh, bit now because of the bizarre weather. Arr. I think we've got to wait because of this music. Yeah, 260-5926. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning welcome to mid-south gardening i have a new thing going today it's called a ruler just slapping kenneth That's and right. i whenever yeah. we get out of the line it's not even yeah, right right exactly uh that, that way instead of raising my hand to talk it's no. Yeah, she's like the teacher, y'all. But if you want to give us a call this morning, 260. so upset at Kenneth because he won't let her talk. 260 <laughs> He disagrees with her said. all the time. He's just such a pain. Um, no, yeah, that's it. No, and we need a moderator for sure. <laughs> but we had some nice people come up a while ago, y'all. It was so funny. Bring they, us some goodies. They did bring some goodies. Jan and uh, Jamie Farmer, they're wonderful Our people. Master gardeners. Master gardeners. Another conversation we had, I think, uh, last week on mistletoe. <laughs> I, I mentioned that, you know, one time I couldn't find any and I used broccoli. Well, so Jamie <laughs> comes up, or Jan Jamie. comes up. Well, both of them were together, but Jan had this stick, <laughs> and it had some red ribbon at the end of it, and uh-huh. then it tied on the end of the red ribbon was a head of broccoli. <laughs> so that was her mistletoe. She put it over Kenneth over and here. And it yes. just didn't have the same powers, That's though. where the yeah. lipstick came from, Gina. <laughs> Whatever. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> but yeah, that, was, so, uh, uh, that was very nice of them to bring that by. That, uh, But that, that, that head of broccoli mm-hmm. just went threw me into a They're kit. always throwing us some fun every now and then, that or all really the funny. time, actually. And um, so we don't have very much longer to uh, get your Christmas decorations up in terms of your wreaths and your greenery, getting your poinsettias. Things are going really fast. Yeah, well, making sure that you're keeping water also in the Christmas tree stand. Um, <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, you know, I mean, some people are, have had their tree in the house for quite a while now. Uh, some people um, just, they just wait, you know, and, mm-hmm. and some people wait till even Christmas Eve to put their tree up, uh, traditionally, okay? Y'all but, put trees in stands, like on display? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, somebody comes in and buys a tree, we'll make a fresh cut, put it in the stand for mm-hmm. them, uh, and then they could, you know, somehow we deliver in, in the area around where we are, and a lot of people take them home. But my point, though, is when that tree gets in the house, you want to make sure after it makes, after you cut the trunk, a fresh cut, mm-hmm. you want to have that trunk of that tree in water within two hours. But what you want is to see this tree or these trees drinking a lot of water 
uh, early on, but don't forget just to check the water level in the tree stands as long as that tree is in the house. Yeah, you don't want it to fall below the bottom because then sap will harden and it's just not going to take up any more water. Right. So. I was at, um, like I like to go visit garden centers too, even though I work at one, it's different oh, it's than fun. all the others. Yeah, really, it's fine. We'll have to see all my friends. It's fun, yes. It's fun. But when I was at Midtown Nursery and I had heard him telling people to get hot boiling water and pour into the stand to help so it I don't think melt this melt the sap and be able to pull it back up i mean maybe the, but i mean most people just like we said as long as you keep the water level up and you mm-hmm. don't let it uh, go completely dry and let it callous back over yeah. on the bottom that tree is going to absorb as much water as it possibly well, can. I'll keep you posted how the boiling water worked. Yeah. My sister got one, and she sends me a picture, and it was so hot that it was steaming out of the um, Christmas tree stand. So uh, this will be an experiment again, and I hope it works, because otherwise she will definitely undecorate <laughs> decorate again, and I have to do this with her. I understand. Right. <laughs> be the first caller right now. You get four tickets to the singing Christmas tree tomorrow night at Bellevue Baptist Church. First caller. We got a few more to give away, so call, give us a call. And the number nine zero one two six zero five nine two six nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. And then bulbs. You know, we talk about oh, bulbs. Wait, of wait. Course. I want to say one more thing about the Christmas trees. Is uh, Jim was saying something really good last time? If you are sitting here and go, I told you to cut that Christmas tree off, dear, mm-hmm. and they didn't. It was a man, of course, yeah. and they yeah. didn't. Then you can uh, drill. In the sides of the tree, that so, so it goes below yeah. the waterline. Yeah. In other That'll words, if the tree if is already in the below stand, below the waterline, yeah, right. And it's yeah. already decorated, and you don't want to take it back out of that stand and mm-hmm. take everything off, make a fresh cut, put it back in, and do everything over again. At the very least, get the little, you know, battery-operated mm-hmm. drill, drill a few holes around the uh, the outside of it. That's like you said, Jim, invade under the waterline. Under the waterline. And it will absorb some water through those holes. But still, the best thing does is just a, a good, fresh cut of the Does an electric yeah. drill work? I mean, you specifically said battery Well, typically, you, you know, you'll just grab that battery-operated. Because a lot of times, picky they get well, a lot of times you already have water in the stand. I just have to Husband pick on Kenneth. And, just, yeah. and you don't want to have electricity and water kind of mixing together. Oh, but that makes tree grow better if you've got electricity and water <laughs> mixing. <laughs> According to Sunite. It makes it put on roots. Um, which somebody asked me. And bulbs. <laughs> now, you know, we talk about bulbs really in the spring and then again in the fall. Uh, this time of year, whether it's tulips, daffodils, hyacinths, crocus, and then the other minor bulbs, it's really getting time to put them in the ground now. This is the perfect time of year to get those type of bulbs in the ground for your spring bloom. Uh, and then, you know, I was talking to a lady the other day. She said, can I just store these until I get ready to plant? She said, probably sometime in January. I said, well, yeah, you can store them, but if you have to do that, you want to ideally put them in the refrigerator because these bulbs do need a good chilling period mm-hmm. before they bloom in the spring. Now, whether they're in the ground in the winter, which is their chilling period, or whether they're in the refrigerator before you plant them. Well, you, these next couple <clears throat> of weeks, I'm beginning to wonder if they're going to try like uh, spring out of the soil. Well, I know because it's been so warm. Well, they but, are. I'm seeing a lot of bulbs mm-hmm. already coming up. Um, you know, which is from daffodils, it's not an issue that have been in the ground for years. You know, they're trying to tease themselves out of the ground because it's so warm. But ideally, guys, tulips, daffodils, the other, you know, spring blooming fall bulbs. This is the perfect time of year to go ahead and get those in the ground to ensure that you get that good chill 
process before they bloom next spring. And you were talking about the minor bulbs also, because yeah. the tulips, I'm going to keep in the refrigerator six, eight weeks or whatever, and then plant them January. Well, that's when I always end up planting them. But it's a good thing that you wait, because again, if you had planted them, would they have tried to tease out? Plus, you don't plant them real deep either the tulips so wait a little bit on that but all your minor bulbs like muscari and that native tulip um oh the cilias and all those yeah and crocus we don't grow enough of those actually (laughs) but all of those i mean as soil temperatures are getting cool enough just now to where you can get these things in the ground and not have to worry about them you know teasing themselves up out of the ground prematurely but this is the time of year to go ahead and get them in the ground and then the amaryllis and the paper whites, the one that you force to bloom inside, uh, you know, that's always a fun, to me, kind of Christmas tradition that a lot of people have. And then the poinsettias, we've always talked about that. If you're going to have poinsettias in the house, keep them warm. And when you water, don't use cold water. Use good, warm, tepid mm-hmm. water when you water your poinsettias. Yeah, like your Christmas trees. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't boil your water for your poinsettias. And, you know, we've talked about getting poinsettias in different places, and it really makes a difference on what happened to the poinsettias on the way to the store. And Jim noticed some of that this week. Well, actually, you were excited because you saw no glitter yeah, that's poinsettias. What said. I was in a Kroger store, and last year I took some pictures of these god-awful-looking mm. glittered poinsettias. I don't get it. That You know, that, that's just not right. Yeah. Uh, but there was not a single one in there. They were all very beautiful. Um, normal. Normal. So far, not gone downhill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, do you remember when there's Stringer's Chickasaw was here, and one year, just one year, I don't know how it got to be the fad, but we actually ordered specialty glitter for the poinsettias. And so we did a blue one for Elvis, and we did some glitter, and we did all these and, up. And, and then I stood there and went, you know, I'm not even liking this at all. Yeah, no. It, did, it didn't help at all. So just, but of course now it, there can be some places that they might work. Yeah, but I don't, I'm like, that's kind of like green ketchup all over again. I just don't like glitter on mm-hmm. poinsettias. It's just not, not natural in my opinion. Yeah. And I, was, and I was talking about the Japanese maples, how Jim always makes the comment that it's not uncommon to have mm-hmm. some dryback on the little limbs of Japanese maples every year through the winter. Some dieback. Yeah, some yeah. dieback. And, um, you know, now, you know, if your Japanese maple has is, is got good drainage, you don't have excessive mulch around it, it's not staying too wet, you know, they usually make it through our winters and flush out in the spring just fine. And we know things can happen. But my question was, is there anything that we can do to reduce the amount of winter damage that we would potentially potentially get mm-hmm. on a Japanese maple gym. Well, I mean, good drainage and position that uh, you put. I, the, I got something here uh, from uh, Miss Gina Mabry that says if someone had brought home some tulips and daffodil bulbs, then she would be planting them. Duh. See, <laughs> you better back, bring them home today, dude. It's back on the man, Gina. Way to go, Gina. I love it's it. It's always talk- the man. I guess we're, we're talking about my wife. Gina. Yes, we yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what are you getting today? I just work? wanted to clarify that. I would definitely uh, have to uh, purchase some tulips and Aren't daffodils. Aren't they in the truck right now? I wish they You are. just didn't get them out yet. I already so thought about some, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm helping you a little bit. 
Yeah. Thank you, Veda, because Jim surely isn't. No. no. So we're going to go to break, and I'd like to hear y'all call and tell me all about what your husband did that maybe he didn't, but we know he did. Yeah. Like mow your trees down or something. So give us a call, 901, Jim. 260 <laughs> Give us a call here, and we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926. Stream us online, kwamradio.com, or listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I put the podcast on in the garden center on the TV, and no one was in there yet, and I'm walking through the garden center, and I'm not really listening to the show. I just hear it in the background. And, of course, Kenneth talks a little bit louder than... Mm, oh, see, there we no, go. No, this is a good thing. No, it talks... A bit. So I'm walking through the garden center, and I hear Kenneth go, Veda! <laughs> I turn around like, what the... And I was like, oh, the TV's on, <laughs> and it's podcast. Kenneth going, you know, getting my attention by saying Veda. So you can listen to the podcast anytime. That's great. And where do you find the podcast? Podcast. Mm-hmm. Just podcast. Yeah, just type in podcast. <laughs> That's the, the only way I know how to find it. <laughs> yeah. Jim. Uh, you know how I, to find it? <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I just Would you like in. for me to tell you? Yes, yes. How do you <laughs> okay, find it? Okay, when you go to our website, you'll see other thing up at the top, and you mm-hmm. do a little line thingy, and you click that, and it says podcast, and then you click that, and then you go down to the one that says lawn and garden. That's right. That's on gardening. the KWAM. The it's, on K-Wham. Our, it's on our website. That but is I like the so way you said that easy. little liney thing. It, it really yeah. is easy. Yeah, okay, that's good, because, I mean, <laughs> I remember searching for it the first time. But... However, and our Facebook page that Jim has created and works on all the time, it's fantastic. How many people are on it now? A little over 7,200 right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And that's so, Mid-South Gardening Facebook page. Yes. Yeah, so if you want to hear what's uh, read, I mean, you're getting pictures from all over. Yes. And, it's, and so it's good. The, the one thing that I have noticed this week, I, I'm a member of, of several groups that I follow. I don't really answer a whole lot unless just it hasn't been answered correctly. Uh, mm. But th- there is so much drama in some of these. <laughs> I know. You know, they get off on tangents about yes. religion and things that have nothing to do with the gardening that mm-hmm. they started out talking about. Yeah, right. I've seen you that. know, yeah. and there there is none of that in our group. Okay. So. Oh, know, good. So you weren't talking about there, our group. No, like, there's no what? How? no <laughs> preaching trying to yeah. get you to change to be all organic or all inorganic, it's and just, there's no arguing over whether Roundup causes cancer or not, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't. So <laughs> Slip that in. Yeah. Uh, I like but that. You know, it's it's just really a good group. It's got a lot of good information. Um, we don't allow links, and that's because we really don't want people in there that think they're experts posting information to other people who really need to know how to do it from somebody that's actually done it. Right. We, we don't want, want to be experts. Because right. this is what happens right now. Um, someone has written a book, uh, and it yeah. was uh, cr- the, cranium lilies are the biggest the, the bulbs. Yeah. yeah, so if somebody cut and pasted that, because they just said they were, if someone asked what's the biggest bulb, it we, would we be get, all We wrong. get requests from you know people who want to be on the show, uh, and this is one where a guy has written, in fact, he's written three books. Um but his last one is entitled Cranum's uh, The World's Largest Bulbs, which is not a true statement. And so, I, you know, I have real trouble recommending a book where 
you know, the title's the wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, those uh, mammoth elephant ears. Well, are they? Are no, the biggest one is a is a, is a Germia, Germia mm-hmm. maritama. In fact, I showed you all a picture. I have one mm-hmm. in a container, but they can weigh upwards of ten pounds or so. They're huge balls. Uh, they require almost zero water, and it's just amazing how little water that they, they oh, have. Oh, then when you dig them out, and there's bulbs stacked on top of bulbs. Yeah. That's really fun. It's, uh, but anyway. Uh, it it's just it, you know. So uh, did you? But it is a look nice Facebook and see, I started to look and I just didn't get to it. What is the biggest bowl? That is. That's what I just told you. What? It's a, it's a dreamia. Oh, well, thought you were talking about the. Okay. See. See. see she never is, listens to me no, either. This I have is this how, problem. This is how technical <laughs> we get. What's a dreamia? Is it a crinum lily or? No. See, I a, thought you were calling no, it. No, it's okay. a dreamia. It's a it's a giant <laughs> sea squill. It, it, That's it, better. Put, it puts up foliage, um, and then the foliage dies down. Along about August, it shoots up a six-foot-tall spike of white flowers. It lasts for it, a month or so, and then that dies down, and then it stays dormant until wintertime, and then it puts out foliage I again. i got to see that. Is it? Um, does it grow here, sort of, kind of? Well, technically, it's zone 7 hardy, but it doesn't like water. Now, is yours in so a container, Jim? Mine's or? in a yeah. container because yeah. I can't let it get water in it. It'll rot. Uh, so, because it's a desert plant by nature, and uh, um, they get quite huge in, in sandy soil. Um, just Google world's largest yeah. bulb. Yeah. He, okay, good, because he said uh, sea your, squill is easy yeah. to find yeah. too, yeah. and it does say Dremia maritamia. Yeah, that's it. And I just kind of tore it up, mm-hmm. didn't I? but that's close enough. Wow, I want one of those now. Just for <laughs> They're cool container. plants, you know. Mine didn't bloom last year. I'm hoping this year, uh, but it it really is a, a it, it's a very interesting plant. It makes a beautiful house plant. Yeah, we don't think about certain things that are bulbs. There's yeah. a lot of things that are bulbs that I never realized was actually a bulb. Yeah. And then um, also, guys, I know we got to go to a break in a couple of minutes, but uh, Bob Iskram uh, texted in and said, "Can honeybees sense a change in uh, barometric pressure?" Will this make them produce more honey? Well, so, I know they can sense a change, but I don't know. Most, most animals can. Mm-hmm. I don't know about insects, They'd though. Well, to. yeah, I they think they could to. obviously sense, I, I believe, easily sense a change in barometric pressure. But I don't, I, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding how that would affect no. their honey production. Well, because yep. barometric pressure can fluctuate daily, right? Yeah. So I don't think it, it they probably can sense it, but it probably won't have anything to do with honey production. Just talking I'll, I'll, about barometric I'll do some pressure. research on that this yeah. week. Give me something to do. Well, yeah, nobody we'll feels know. good when the <laughs> bio, why can the I not say it? You know, changes. I don't feel good, so. I don't know. But anyway, you're going to look that up. And I'm going to see if I can find anything mm-hmm. as far as bees. Whether because not, what if? But yeah, then what do you times, do? You know, when if we're changes. watching the bees and we sense that they're doing something different, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, okay, there's a storm coming. You know, like yeah. a low front right, is coming right. through. So, huh. Well, the wind, the way we were having the wind starting on like Tuesday, I think, could already feel it. To me, I could already feel something was coming. coming in. Yeah. Because I'm just real receptive to some of the weather. Because being outside in it all the time, mm-hmm. you start learning. And that's where those myths come well, from. Well, we need to start right? watching these from bees, the farmers maybe. We'll only. find out. We will. Give us a call. 260-5926. We'll be right back.
Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926, because what can they get, Jim? Four tickets to tomorrow night's performance of the Singing Christmas Tree at Bellevue Baptist Church. Yep, they're going fast, so you better give yep. us a call. 901-260-5926. Tickets will be at the uh, box office there. You can pick them up there. We'll get your name and get it to them, and so give us a call. Yeah, That makes it really convenient yes. to be there already. Okay, so let's see. We've covered, oh, you know, I need to throw a little bit in there about houseplants, mm-hmm. of course. And, um, you know, you really need to get a moisture meter. Well, do and, they suffer more this time of year? You know, the days are mm-hmm. shorter. They're all the houseplants are inside, you know, mm-hmm. even the ones that love to be outside. Yeah. We're typically abusing them by either overwatering or underwatering. I think they suffer more when they're indoors in the growing season. You know, now in the dormant season, they're still going to have, you know, not a lot of foliage. Well, no, I'm saying that wrong. They could lose some foliage if you had them outside and you're bringing them inside. Mm. But they're still fine. But they're, I mean, we have them. It's lighting. Lighting's definitely one of the most important things as well as how you're watering. Right. You know, humidity is really important, but it's a little difficult to get it up there. Yeah, unless you're using a a room humidifier. Yeah, you know you can group your plants together, but it didn't help in mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. No, you can put them in pea gravel trays, but it didn't help in anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, Make however, you feel better, but it didn't help anything. Well, yeah. like in our building, we have <laughs> I could almost say a thousand plants. Okay, five hundred plants or so in the building, and it's a small building, so you're feeling something different. You know, when you walk in, the windows are all fogged up and everything because humid. But it's a whole lot of plants, a whole lot of plants in a little bitty section. And y'all water y'all's but typically what once a week in a in a household mm-hmm. setting. Yeah, and there's some that we let go where the moisture meters too dry, but they never have an effect on on the plant. And then we just water it thoroughly but not a whole bunch where one girl watered it and i came back in the floor was soaking wet and there was the plant with the saucer in the pot and then there was a saucer under the pot and then the water flowed out of that so the plant was sitting in the pot in water so what do y'all think about moisture meters jim do you like them with house plants or yours just stick your finger in there if it well, i just moist? stick my finger yeah and most of them i can tell just by picking up the pot right. whether it's light or not and but you know i have such a very uh, a variety of plants I've got Christmas cactus in bloom right now that need a lot of water. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I've got... Hold on, uh, say that again. Christmas cactus? Yes, when they're in bloom, blooming. they need yeah. a lot of water. They need to stay moist. Yeah, uh, anything in bloom, really, if you yeah. let it go dry. It I've got an African violet in bloom. And it's, you know, but mm-hmm. where they're at in the garage, the, it has some heat in there. So it's, it's really basically, you know, pretty warm. Yeah. So we, they dry uh, out quickly. But I've got, mm-hmm. you know, I've got succulents in there that, you know, don't get watered but once every month or so. Yeah, mm-hmm. we definitely have that too. One of the girls asked, do we ever water these? She goes, I've been here like three months and I don't think we've watered them. I go, oh. it's in a tray. So I fill the tray up with water and let it soak all the water up. And if it does quickly, I fill the tray up again. Unfortunately, if I'd watered too much, I have to dump the tray out. And then the mm-hmm. moisture meter is really good for the new girls coming in and, and trying to that learn are, to water. Right. They're just not used to what we should, what we know right. that they eventually will know. Yeah, but I've been getting, beginning mm-hmm. to let them go even more dry mm-hmm. than I would expect. And like the Z plant and the um, mother-in-law's tongue. Mm-hmm. 
and even the evergreen aglaonemias, mm-hmm. they all can take low light and low water. That's a good starter plant. Now, what about the feeding? You know, you would think that, you know, with the shorter days, the longer nights, a little bit more stress on the plants, uh, that you need to really feed these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, really put the fertilizer to them. But really, it's the opposite that's true. You know, this mm-hmm. time of year, they're, even though they're not going dormant, uh, they're in a more of a dormant state than they are during the true, yeah. the growing yeah. season. Right. So you don't want to pump a lot of fertilizer on your mm-hmm. house plants this time of year. Yeah. Uh, just give them the decent light like you're talking about or the correct amount of light and then the correct amount of moisture. Sounds simple, yeah. doesn't it? And I still do put worm castings on when I'm bringing them in the house. Sometimes the soil looks really used. Love <laughs> looks that Looks really stuff. used. So I put that on. That doesn't mean it's feeding them right now, but you do get like a, when you water, you get like a compost tea in it and you can build microorganisms up because they're still going to be doing their thing. And then when spring hits, it's there and ready to take up. And let me say this, one thing, one byproduct of keeping your plants too wet other than yellow leaves and burned, you know, tipped leaves and then eventually a dead plant are these little gnats called fungus gnats, okay? Mm -hmm. Had a lady in the garden center the other day, and she was uh, trying to explain I had these little bitty flying insects uh, coming out of my house plants. And I said, that is a fungus net. And when I told her, I said, the first thing you need to do is cut back on the water. You're keeping this soil too wet. Mm-hmm. And we all know there are some soils that are better than others. Some of them, you, I don't care how much you don't water, they just hold moisture, Okay. So I said, cut back on the water, and then they are the BT granules, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just a bacillus bacterium granule that you can sprinkle in the soil, uh, and it will kill those fungus gnats. But I'm just telling you, if you've got fungus gnats, which are these little bitty gnats flying around coming out of the soil of your houseplants, you're keeping that soil Mm -hmm. too wet. They'll keep reproducing. You can even, if I had that problem, put some holes in the soil and take... uh, compost to fill in the holes and, and that would help improve the drainage but hey we do have a uh, we have a caller question recommend a good commercial broadleaf killer a commercial broadleaf weed killer mm-hmm. well jim well when you say commercial i'm guessing mm-hmm. that you want something large a container um the probably the least expensive large container would be probably trimex yeah. I think it's Trimac 990 or something. Or, or Trimac, like yeah. you said. Yeah. And it's pretty, by the gallon, it's pretty inexpensive. That's what most of the, the tech companies are using and, and for Jim, just broadly. And, and Trimac is a it's a three-part. Yeah, it has, has 2,4-D, MCPP, and Dicamba. And then those all are, together. They are growth stimulants. They're hormones. They're developed by the U.S army years ago now, yeah, they, see, i wouldn't consider that as a chemical or a synthetic well it is uh, but well, would you use that this time of year on chickweed henbit clover yeah, you onions? could particularly as warm as it is right now yeah. you know it will help stimulate the to, to grow so fast that the plant actually the water system in the plant ruptures and dies um, you can see it in onions when you spray them; they'll curl, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and that's because it's causing the, the growth on one side to rapidly expand, that, yeah. and it makes it spin. Um, same thing happens really in your house when you have a, a plant by the by the uh, uh, window. the window. 
the hormones that stimulate growth don't like sunlight, so they move around to the back side of the plant. And it's so amazing. Which causes the cells to elongate and turns the plant towards the light. Right. My plant says, you are wearing me out. Yep. Yeah. You keep turning That's the reason. me. Yeah. Wearing me out. You should turn it periodically to, to keep that from happening and making letting it grow to the window. But there are lots of broadleaf weed killers on the yeah. market, but most of them... If you're having just a homeowner lawn, I would get one like um, like the, the weed free zone. Weed free zone is an excellent one uh, the, because the, it's got carfentrazone in it. Carfentrazone is yeah. the most important thing I think now. If you've got things like uh, wild violets, uh, Virginia buttonweed, which are hard to control, not weed. those beautiful wildflowers uh, yes. in your lawn that messes it but all if up. If you're wanting <laughs> them out, you know that's probably the best one because it works at a cooler temperature. Uh, and it's also a diff- little different technology, and it, it works very well on them. And, but it still has the other, it does some still of the other products the in there, the dicambas yes. and the, you know, the right. 2,4-Ds and so forth. But it also has that, what is it, carventrazone yeah. uh, stuck in there. But, but Trimac, uh, under the name of what we used to carry called mm-hmm. Weed Out, was just your old-fashioned standby, mm-hmm. yeah. general run-of-the-mill broadleaf weed right. And if you're in your independent garden center, they usually will have something like 240D amine, which is an inexpensive, low-volatile, but still can volatize, um, uh, broadleaf weed killer that works very, very well. Yeah. So you, you got some that you can use on pasture and still mm-hmm. you know, let your, your animals graze. Yeah, yeah so, so their growth hormones, the one you're talking about, the Chamec, the Dicamba, the MCPP. Yeah. Uh, but so I think originally it's you, they discover you know, growth hormones and then synthetically uh, reputate no what's the replicate word? thank you replicate <laughs> yeah. that and so and then people go well that's chemical yeah. i don't think i want to use it everything's chemical yeah. water's chemical well it's yeah. a synthetic you know. maybe same and then you can so make when water artificially it, yeah when you're using it then um using the growth hormones i don't feel like that's a horrible thing to put in your organic program right let's put it that well, way especially yeah. if you're out there just spot trading but you know, typically people use broadleaf weed killers uh, in the spring when the broadleaf weeds are actively growing, and then again in the fall. Most, a lot of these broadleaf weed killers, not all of them, but a lot of them you can't use when the temperatures are above 86, 89 degrees. That's important. Yeah, so spring <laughs> and fall are the optimal times. Now, can you go out there this time of year? Typically you don't, but like Jim said, with the temperatures that we've had, as mild as they've been, you can still get some control. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's 18 degrees out there and you go out there and spray chickweed, nothing's going to happen. Well, you know? freezing your tanks. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's so amazing how you can take something natural and recreate it with uh, synthetic practices or yeah. man-made practices. Like, Ure- urea fertilizer was yeah. the very first made man-made organic fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And like the Black Widow spider webs, or even a lot of spider webs are so intensely strong that they're using it like Kevlar. Yeah. But, of course, they have to reproduce that or replicate that because <laughs> I don't think you can get enough spiders, yeah, spiders unless you have a, a spider terrarium with all those webs and you have to make your way through. No, they through. need each other. So you, you know. But, Jim, yeah. you're yeah, telling me, but I heard true. you say urea, but urea is not considered an organic product. It's not though. considered, but it has carbon in it, so it technically is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so guys, when we get back, uh, is there going to be a good time or a bad time to prune some of our deciduous shrubs or trees? And we're going to talk a little bit about how much fertilizer do you really get out of leaves? Hmm. All right, y'all. You can still give us a call, 260-5926, to get those tickets. We'll be right back. 
Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've got a few little things to get through before it's time to go. We can take the two calls. Yeah, we had um, someone else text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mr. John uh, Haggard. It says he lives in Olive Branch. He read on the uh, an article on the Internet this week that said, if you see a lot of green moss growing on the trunk of a tree and kind of up into the tree, it could be a sign of internal damage. Um, he's got several oak trees in his yard with that condition. Uh, is that really mm-hmm. true, or is there something else going on, guys? Uh-huh. If you see green moss, not lichen or mm-hmm. resurrection ferns or anything, but just green moss growing on the trunk or the crown of your oak tree, good, bad, or indifferent. I've seen the moss all the time on the trees, the green moss going. And is it the fluffy green moss, or is it, you know, just the coloration of green, almost like a green? Like an algae instead yes. of a moss. Well, let yes, me say this. It. On the outside bark of a tree, the outside of the bark is always dead tissue. It's just dead mm-hmm. tissue is what it is. And you can have anything grow on it, lichens and moss or whatever. Now, under the bark, you know, is where you have, some, you know, your cambium layer. That's a very much of live tissue there. A lot of your fluids and everything are going up from the roots to the top of the tree. But just because you're seeing green moss, I don't think indicates that there's a problem or decay going on with this tree no it tells me though that the the bark is is staying fairly damp mm-hmm. yes now we want to know why is that if, if a sprinkler system is hitting that trunk then yes it could be causing issues up underneath there because the bark is supposed to dry right. uh, but if it's just heavy shade I, i'm don't think you've got much of an issue as long as you're not seeing anything else happening with the tree dead limbs falling out of the top uh that sort of thing i you know i would not be concerned about moss i would be concerned about a heavy infestation of lichens that mm-hmm. tells you that the wood is distressed they yeah. move in on wood like that a few not an issue yeah. but it, if they start getting heavy then usually tells me that there's something going on inside just that an tree indicator. and that it's it's stressed and it could go backwards uh and you know if it's a big tree then i'd have a a, a tree guy come out and take a look at it and what about you know when if you get an excessive amount of moss even on the trunk of a tree you know how you know people back in the day would have ivy growing Mm -hmm. up in their trees their oak trees or whatever and ivy holds even though ivy technically itself is not hurting the tree Mm mm-hmm it can hold a lot of moisture behind the leaves. Insects, it can hold a lot of insects yeah. and everything. Yeah, it but can hide an issue. That's right. Yeah. So is, is, can moss be that that same way? Well, or you know, possibly. Yeah. But I have never seen a tree covered in moss that I thought the moss right. has injured it. Well, yeah. we used to go walking in the woods. Granddaddy would take us out in the woods. I mean, starting from three years old. And he would explain all this things and and one of them was the moss is on the north side of the tree right typically and so it would teach you how to use the moss to get back to the house yeah. you know as your compass right 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 so uh and those trees are still there and john did mm-hmm. text in and said it was the uh, the plushy type of green moss and thank you but mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't think that's going to be a problem or i don't mm-hmm. think it's an indication uh, that there's a problem, like you said, Gina, unless the, uh, Jim, unless the uh, bark is just staying too wet for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Also, we had a texter on the uh, Mighty 990 Facebook page. She said uh, she's got some leaves on a kibia vine that is turning yellow. Uh, is that normal, or should I put some plant tone on it? Mm-hmm. Yellow it's leaves normal. on a kibia. Yeah. No, they're about likely to about fall off, so you know, <laughs> I yeah, wouldn't worry about it A kibia is a semi-evergreen vine. It's going to mm-hmm. drop a lot of those leaves. It's going to keep some, depending on the winter that we have, mm-hmm. but it's going to drop a lot of them. But if you're seeing yellow leaves out there, 
Uh, it surely doesn't hurt to go out there and sprinkle plant tone around these acebias, even this time of year. Right. Yeah, I mean, adding organic matter can never be bad. Uh, so it can it can definitely help give it more energy, which will make it grow quicker next year. Well, and you're you right. Know. <laughs> you know, you don't well, have the kibia is not really an issue. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then when it's so like I call it little leaf kudzu. Yeah, but it really Diane is. Diane lines that that texted that in. So, so no, long yellow as she leaves just keeps pruning. Yellow leaves on kibia, not a problem. Okay, so the yet. question I had for you is how much fertilizer is actually in those leaves that you grind up and yep. put on your lawn? And you got about two minutes. To okay, know. well. Uh, if you, you know, all fertilizer has to have a, an analysis on it, like 61212 in a 50 pound bag. That means there's three nitrogen, six phosphorus, and six potash. Okay, so that's what you got 15 pounds of fertilizer in that 15 pound bag. If you had 100 pounds of leaves, okay, it would then the ratio would be about 1.4.4. Okay, so it's not a lot of fertilizer. But it is returning a huge amount of micronutrients, uh, the things that you don't have much of in your soil that the tree has absorbed. You're allowing that to go back into the soil. So that's probably the most important thing you're going to get out of the leaves. Not only the organic matter, which your microbes and worms and all that kind of stuff right. can feed on. Okay, But the minor elements is what you're right. after. The macronutrients, mm-hmm. they're not a lot, and it's not a, a, a major issue with it so well you've made me feel really great jim i for the third time went out there the other night and raked all the leaves (laughs) Mm -hmm. up before the rains got here and it was going to rain last night so i raked and blew and got every leaf off of my yard okay normally i'd like to go out there and just grind them up with the mulching mower yeah. well i didn't have that option because the soil i didn't want to make leave any ruts in the soil it was yeah. still just a little yeah, damp yeah. So I absolutely them don't so do you're that you're saying <laughs> best thing to do just just mulch <laughs> them in and leave them alone yeah <laughs> they're fine all yeah, right all right we've had a hoot we'll be back here next week we hope you'll join us call your friends and tell them this is mid-south gardening and uh, we been, love y'all yeah. y'all gave us a call we'll be back next right. week whether you like it or not <laughs>